God tonight. In Jesus' name. If you have a Bible, let's open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and beginning at verse 1. This is what Peter says. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him which hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you can be seated tonight in the house of the Lord. Here in uh, first thing I want to say tonight is I'll I, I love being in the house of the Lord tonight. I love coming into the house of the Lord. I, it's precious to me. I hold it at very high esteem. And if it's in my power, I don't plan on missing any church. If it's in my power, I don't plan on missing anything that the church is doing, that the church is involved with because... It's precious. It's dear to me. I know that in this place or in when I'm involved in the things of God and the word of God and in the things that contain that has to do with the word of God and the, the kingdom of God, I know that in that, in there, those things are my lifeline. If I'm gonna, if I'm going to make it, if I'm gonna survive, most importantly, if I'm gonna make it to heaven, I need church. I need the word of God. I need all the things that Jesus is offering. 
and, and I want it to be precious to me. And I believe that if I hold it at high regards, I believe that my family will hold it at high regards. I believe that children will hold it at high regards. Uh, we just got, we got up this morning and, and, and my daughter got up and she was singing her little Sunday morning song. It's Sunday, it's Sunday. And, and as it was recognizing that this is the best day of the week. This is the best time. I hope we all believe that tonight. I hope we all have faith that this is the best day of our week. Matter of fact, this is what is going to determine how the rest of our week turns out. And I want to make it up in my mind that each and every time it's time to come into the house of the Lord, I want to be excited about it. I want to hold it at high regards. I want to, I want to be I want to be filled with enthusiasm. I just want to come running into the house of the Lord because it's the best place to be. A lot of people, they filled up stadiums tonight and they think that this is the place to be. Well, that ain't the place to be. This is the place to be tonight. This is where everybody should be tonight. I believe in that. I have faith in that. I'm here in the scriptures. Peter is talking and he's talking to the church, and he's beginning to give out some instructions. He's beginning to, to lay down um, some things. And he's basically talking to them, and right off bat, he begins to talk about some of the things that needs to be laid aside, some of the things that needs to be done away with. Um, in the scripture, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about, uh, tells us to lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset us. There are some things that will set us back if we don't take care of them, if we don't get rid of them, um, if we don't lay them aside never to be picked up again. There are some things that will cause us to stumble, it will cause us to lose out, in our walk with God, in our relationship with God. Tonight, I have a made-up mind that I'm not going to allow anything to cause me to lose out with my walk with God. I'm not going to allow anything to cause me to miss out on heaven. I'm not going to allow bitterness. I'm not going to allow envy. I'm not going to allow hypocrisy. I'm not going to allow any of these things to cause me to lose out with my walk with God as Peter begins to tell them to lay aside all malice. Uh, malice is people that have an intention to hurt people. And they have those intentions to hurt on purpose. They want to hurt people. That is their goal in life is to hurt, is to um, cause some kind of pain or, or some kind of agony to people. Do you, do, can you believe that there are people in this life that thinks that way, that that's what their goal is. And Peter begins to tell them, don't let that kind of an attitude or that kind of a mindset uh, be in you. He begins to talk about all guile. He begins to talk about hypocrisies and, and envies and, and evils, all evil speaking, okay? Um, Tonight, if there's anything that I want to be, I really want to be a child of God. Too many people fall into hypocrisy. 
Too many people put on the show or the front. Um, they, when they're around the right group of people or when they're around certain people, they put on a, a, a certain kind of face that they know that people want to see. They know that this is what people want to see or they say the right things or, or uh, they make it seem like they're so generous and helpful when they're around the right people. But when you get them on their, by themselves or when the doors are closed or when the lights are turned off, you see what people really are. You see what they're really like. Um, you see, you'll find out that there are things that are, that if you was a fly on the wall, things that you would hear people say behind their clothes, behind closed doors or all of their real feelings about this tonight, um, about church or about the word of God or about just the things of God in general, you'll find out that they really don't care that much about it when it really comes down to it. You know, I don't want to live a double standard life. I don't want to live a life of hypocrisy. Um, I don't, and this was Jesus's, his whole problem with the religious leaders in his days because he called them over and over again, he called them a bunch of hypocrites. He said, because you have put on the, 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 the white, you're, you're like whited sepulchers on the outside. But on the inside, you are, you are full of dead men's bones. You are ravening wolves. You don't care. You only care about yourself and your own selfish motives and, and your own gain. You don't care about the people. You don't care about the things of God. You only care about what's going to make you look better, what's going to uh, move you along. And he called them a bunch of hypocrites. I do not want to fall into the category of a hypocrite tonight. I, the things that are coming out of my mouth, I don't want to just talk about prayer. I actually really want to pray. I don't want to just talk about reading the word of God. Yeah, you got to read the Bible, but I read everything else but the Bible. I really want to read the Bible. I really want to know what the word of God says. I want to really be what I'm proclaiming that I am or what I'm proclaiming I'm striving for. I really want to be a child of God. I really want my heart to be fixed on the things of God. As I understand that it is, it is a fight. It is a fight in this world that we live, live in. So many things are trying to distract. So many things are fighting for your attention. So many things are pulling at your emotions and, and your feelings and trying to get you caught up and wrapped up into what the world is doing and, and what everybody else is promoting and, and what everybody else is, is arguing and fighting over and bickering about. Uh, but I got to keep my mind fixed on the things of God. I can't just lift up my hands when I come into the house of the Lord. I can't just save prayer for on Sundays, mornings and Sunday nights. I can't just save prayer for just Tuesday nights. I can't just save prayer for Thursday nights. I got to be praying every day of the week. I got to be reading the word of God. I got to have God on my mind. Some people, they wait until Sunday. 
Then I'm going to be about God. No, I got to be about God 365 days of the year. You know what? Because God doesn't, God doesn't treat me like that. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to just uh, be about him and be concerned about him on this day and not on that day. God is concerned about us each and every day. It's because of him that we are here today. It's because of him we got breath in our bodies. It's because of him that we are in our right minds. As we see that God has been good to us, he's been good to us. He has taken care of us. And so I don't want to live a life of hypocrisy. And so Peter is telling them to lay these things aside. Get rid of these things. Do away with it. He begins to talk about evil speaking. Evil speaking. In other words, what are you talking about? What is your conversation like? Who are you talking to? And, and what are you talking about? You know, a lot of times when we're talking about all the wrong things, we get off into a little hidden, secluded area where nobody can see us or where nobody can hear us. And I, I know that because I was once one of those people that did those kind of things. I know how it goes. You get off in the distance in a dark area where nobody can hear you and nobody can see you, or if somebody comes up, you, you, switch to come, you switch the subject as if you was talking about the, the mighty things of God. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been there. I've, I've, I've done those things. And, and sometimes you, you, the devil wants you to get pulled back into that kind of a conversation and, and talk about those things. But you know what? I don't want to get wrapped up in evil speaking. I don't want to get wrapped up in talking about things that don't, promote positivity that don't promote life that that is going to cause people to be discouraged or, or that is going to tear down what God is trying to build up and so Peter talks about getting rid of evil speaking okay don't talk about things that aren't right don't th talk about things that are are not that is not uh, concerning positivity and that's not building up the kingdom of God and the things of God. I don't want to say it. If it's going to destroy people's faith, I don't want it coming out of my mouth. If it's going to cause people to doubt, I don't want to be the one that said it. If it's going to cause people to second guess uh, this, this, this life and, and this experience and, and their relationship with God, I don't want that to be, the, I don't want it to come out of my mouth. You got to remember what Jesus said. He talked about those. He said that if you are one of the person, people that offends one of these little ones, he said it would have been better if a millstone was placed around your neck. When I think about that, I think about that being a very bad experience. And Jesus said it's worse than that. It's going to be your, your, your judgment on what is going to come to you. It's going to be worse than that. And so you got to understand. And people say, well, he was just talking about children. Yeah, that applies to children. But you know what? It can also apply to people that are young in the faith. People that have just um, gotten into this thing and they really don't quite know how um, they're learning. They're still learning. And they hear something or, or you make some kind of smart comment or some kind of uh, uh, some kind of uh, a sarcastic comment, and it, and it um, hurts. It damages their faith. And so 
I want to be mindful of those things. I want to keep those kind of things on my mind and make it up in my mind that I don't care how I'm feeling. I don't care how down to the dumps I am. I don't want anything bad to come out of my mouth. I don't want, I don't want little children to hear it. And I don't want those that are young in this experience and this walk to hear it because it can damage a person's faith. It can damage a person's walk. It can, it can affect, it can determine whether a person makes it or whether they lose out with God. And so I want to keep those kind of things in mind. I want to I be mindful of that. So Peter says to lay aside these kinds of things. He said as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If I'm going to grow in this walk with God, if I'm going to begin to develop, and the Bible talks about growing in grace and in knowledge, if I'm going to grow the right way, I'm going to have to get into the word of God. I'm going to have to open up God's word. You know what? I'm going to have to desire God's word. I'm going to have the desire to want to learn and know more about God. There are some people, they don't have a desire to learn. They don't have a desire to know about the things of God. They don't, they don't have a desire to gain the knowledge of God's word and what God's word really says. They would rather listen to what somebody else says. They'll rather believe on how somebody else has told them to believe. They'd rather obey what somebody else has told them to obey and not knowing that the people that are telling them what they're telling them has no clue of what the word of God says. That they're only saying what they're saying is because they got some kind of selfish gain. They want to gain money. They want to gain success and popularity. They're not going to preach about the real thing that is in the word of God. You know that everybody ain't talking about Jesus. You know that, right? Everybody that calls themselves a church, they're not promoting Jesus Christ. They're not promoting baptism in Jesus' name. And people say, well, you don't have to do that. But guess what? If you open up the Bible, you'll find out that we really do have to do that. If I'm going to make it in heaven, to heaven, and guess what? I want to make it to heaven. I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I got to allow God to lead and guide me and to direct my path. You can be seated tonight. But I'm not going to know that unless I have a desire to know what God's word says. I'm not going to know that. And so people have, you know, if we're going to learn of God and if we're going to gain anything from God, we're going to have to be like little babes. We're going to have to be like little children. We're going to have to have that mindset. Jesus said, except you become as a child, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it into the kingdom of God. He said that. And so, as adults, we think that we know what's best. We got it all figured out. We know. And a lot of times, because of our life experiences, we put up uh, defenses and and, and we try to keep people out, and, and we, we do all of these things but we, to, to keep from being hurt. But we have to, be, if we're going to learn of God, if we're going to gain knowledge where we understand what God's word says, 
we are going to have to come to him as babes. We're going to have to be like babes and desire the sincere milk of the word. The same way a babe, when a babe is born, a babe desires milk. Okay? That's what they, that's what they, that's what they partake of. They are, for, uh, for quite a bit, for quite some time, they are living on milk. And so when I am coming into this walk with God and, and learning of God, I don't, my approach shouldn't be that I already know. I got it figured out. I already know this. No, my approach should be as a child, teach me. Help me to learn. I want to des- I'm desiring to learn. I'm desiring to grow. I don't want this to be in vain. I want to grow right. I want to mature in this. I want to learn of God. I want God to sp- I want to be able to hear God's voice. I want God to be able to speak to me through his word, through the preached word, in prayer. I want to be able to hear his voice. I want to learn of him. There's not too many people that have a desire to learn of God's word. Now, the writer says, Paul said it like this. He said that they, the people of this world, they are ever learning, but never being able, but not being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there are people that they are gaining all the knowledge in this life and in this world. But somehow when it comes down to the word of God, they don't know what it says because they don't have a desire to learn of God's word. I want to know God's word. I want to know that this is the most important thing that I could ever learn. This is the most important thing that I could ever um, begin to grab a hold of and begin to let it get down into my heart and begin to allow it to lead and guide me. I'm going to tell you, um, the New York Times, that's not going to help you. Okay, the Inquirer, that's not going to help you one bit. Reader's Digest, it's not going to help you. All the textbooks in this world, it's not going to help on that day. What is going to matter is whether I knew what God's word said. And not only knew it, but applied it to my life. Okay? So I want to desire the word of God. I want to desire the sincere milk of God's word. Like a newborn babe. I want that. Without God's word, I'm going to die. I told somebody that in Bible, we, was, we had Bible study yesterday. And I told them, without the word of God, you're going to die. You're going to die. We talked about, uh, we was talking about the manna that fell from heaven. And the children of Israel, they gathered it fresh daily. Well, I got news for you. Without, if I don't gather the word of God daily, if I don't break it open daily, I'm going to die. I'm going to die the same way if we don't eat, we will die. Well, this is the same way spiritually. If I don't partake of the word of God, I'm going to die. I'm, I don't have any chance of living. I don't have any chance of making it. I got to gather it fresh daily. I got to open it up. I got to read it daily. I got to make some time for God. I can't live off of what I heard years ago. I need a fresh word. I can't live off of what I heard last week. I need a fresh word. I can't live off of old molded messages that in some people's cases they preach a thousand times. I can't live off of that. I need something fresh. God wants to give me something fresh. God wants to instill something new in my life, and I need it. 
or I'm going to die without it. I'm going to die without it. And so in verse, verse 3, he begins to say, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord is good tonight. Lord has been gracious to us. We've all tasted of his grace. We've all tasted of his mercy. The fact that we're here tonight is an indication that we have a tasted of his graciousness. It's a fact. The fact that we have been filled with the Holy Ghost, and if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can receive the Holy Ghost tonight, and you will realize just how gracious the Lord is. You'll realize. the. I encourage you to taste what the Lord has for you here tonight. Partake of what God has for you. God has something. He has a table spread out for us here tonight. And he's just telling us, come and partake of it. How many of us would go to a buffet? I know I wouldn't. And just sit there and look at it. And not partake of anything. I'm talking about a spread. It is all laid out for the taking. Okay? You, and the best part of it, you ain't got to pay nothing for it. It's all free. Even better. Even better. How much more? Because God has a table spread here for us. There are people that desperately need joy, and God has it here for you tonight. There are people that desperately need peace, and God is saying it's right here for you. Just go ahead and grab a hold of it. There are people that need the Holy Ghost, and God is saying I already got it prepared for you. Just come on in and partake of what I have here for you. And so I want to grab a hold of it. The writer said, taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't want to just hear that the Lord is good. You want to taste and see for yourself that God is good. God is good. There's nothing, there's no one like him. And I'm not saying, saying it because I should say it. I'm saying it because I've come to find out that there's nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe that tonight. I have faith in that tonight. There ain't no high. There ain't no drug. There ain't no relationship that can compare to Jesus Christ tonight. There's nothing. And he's precious. He is dear to me tonight. Verse 4, he begins to say, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men. So he's talking about how that they rejected him. They rejected Jesus Christ. He said, it's disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Okay? So the very thing that, he, that the, this world, the builders of this world rejected, that's what God chose and is precious to God or to the Spirit. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God by Jesus. Okay, so what he is saying is that we are lively stones. Do you know that we're not supposed to be dead tonight? Do you know that we are not supposed to be um, dead and not alive? 
our praise and our worship is not supposed to be dead. So many people think that church, you come to church and you begin to, you sit there all quiet and, and you think about things and you, you hymn your way through. That ain't what we're supposed to be. The Bible says that we are lively stones. We're supposed to be alive. We're supposed to be excited. Our hands are supposed to be in the air. Come on. Leaping for joy is not strange. We're lively stones. Running the aisle, that's not a strange thing. The Bible says that we are lively stones. We're supposed to be alive. We're supposed to be active and involved in this thing tonight. He said you are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And so he's talking about us, those lively stones. We are built up a spiritual house. We are in a holy priesthood. Do you know what that means? Do you know that that means that just like those priests, when they would come in and they would offer up sacrifices unto God, the sacrifices that they offered up to God, it couldn't be anything. It couldn't be any kind of sacrifice. It couldn't have no blemishes. It had to be perfect. They couldn't just give God anything. They, it couldn't be missing an eye. It couldn't be missing a leg. It couldn't have no spots. It couldn't have any kind of blemishes. Or God would not receive it. Do you know that God is not going to receive anything other than our very best? God is not just going to receive anything from us tonight. We're not going to be able to give God, oh, I'm a tired, a Sunday evening, I'm tired kind of sacrifice. We got to give God our very best. It got to be everything that we have. If God is going to accept it, if God is going to consume it, I want him to consume my evening sacrifice. So I got to make it up in my mind that it's going to be my very best. I'm going to shove aside how I feel in in this flesh and I'm going to get my hands in the air. I'm going to open up my mouth. I'm going to pour up my heart unto God. I'm going to give God my very best. I'm not going to hold back on anything from God. I'm going to give God everything that I have. I'm going to walk out of these doors knowing that I gave it all. I gave it all. So he said, we are a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So I want God to accept my sacrifice. Paul talked about our bodies being holy and acceptable unto God, a living sacrifice. He said, this is our reasonable service. And so I want to understand that I want to give God everything that I have. I want to give him my best. Just like those priests, they couldn't just offer up anything. It wasn't allowed. I got to understand that God ain't accepting unless it's my everything. Everything. I can't try to praise God and I got a hundred and million one things on my mind. What I'm doing tomorrow. What I'm going to do when I leave here. That's not giving God my best. Because God does not have my undivided attention. God doesn't have all of me. And guess what? God wants all of you. God ain't going to share you with anything else. He's not going to share you with any, anyone else. God wants all of you. He wants all of me. And you know what? I want to give him everything. I've come to find out I've given myself to too many, too many nuts in this world. 
I've given myself over to too much foolishness. I've given myself over to too much things that have only torn me down and caused heartache and pain. Why not give yourself to the one that can fix everything that is broken in your life? Why not give your all to the one that can save you, that can heal you, that can heal your troubled mind? Why not give yourself over to him? Why not let God have all of you? All of you, not just a part of me on Sundays, and then the rest of the week I'm, I'm opening myself up to every other, everything and every other thing and foolishness and, and things that don't matter. I want to give God my everything. I want to give it all to him. I want him to have his way in my life. You'll find out that people don't have peace. They don't have joy. They're constantly troubled. They're constantly worried. There's constantly a storm in their hearts, raging out of control, constantly in depression, constantly low self-esteem, constantly oppressed and beat down because they don't give God everything. They don't give God all of themselves. They don't allow God to have complete control in their lives. Okay? If I want some peace, then I'm going to have to give God complete control. I'm going to have to let Jesus take control. I'm going to have to let Jesus get behind the steering wheel. I'm going to have to let Jesus be the pilot. I heard it so many, I've heard it so many years um, that someone saw a, a sticker on the back of somebody's bumper and they said that Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, guess what? If Jesus is your co-pilot, I'm going to tell you like this. He's not your co-pilot because we talked about it today. God is not going to accept being in the second spot. God is first. Okay, and if God don't have that number one spot, slot, he ain't got, he ain't taking none. He's not occupying nothing else other than the number one slot. So that means you are flying solo. And if I'm flying solo, then I am in da great danger. I need to put God in that spot. I need to let God lead and guide me. I need to let God direct me and order my footsteps. I need to let God have complete control of my life. You can be seated tonight. And so Peter goes on in verse, in verse 6 he says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Okay? That means... For those that believe in God, for those that believe in Jesus, okay, he is precious. And he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. That means you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be let down. You're not going to be disappointed that you believe in God. God, is, God will never let you down. God will never disappoint you, especially if your faith is in him. Especially if you are leaning on him. If you are completely relying on him. You will never be disappointed. God has never let me down. God has never fallen short on any of his promises. I've come to find out that God is very faithful. I've come to find out that, that, if I put me, that when I put my complete trust, that I have no doubts no worries, no concerns. I'm not trying to work it out on my own. I've come to find out that God comes through. 
I come to find out that he's a provider. I come to find out that he is a healer. I come to find out that he is a miracle worker. I come to find out that he is a prayer answering God. I come to find out that he is a church going God. That means that God is right here tonight ready to touch somebody's life. He's in this place. Jesus is here tonight. We know that Jesus is God, right? And he is in this place tonight. He's in here tonight. Let's get verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone. So Peter begins to, he begins to point something out. He said unto them, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Do you know that Jesus is only, do you know that he's only precious to those that believe in him? He's only held at high esteem to those that believe in him. Do you know that everybody that comes to church don't believe? There are unbelievers. And everybody that doesn't, that comes to church really don't believe. They don't believe. And you know how you can tell? It's by their approach towards the things of God. As the things of God are not held at a high esteem. It's not precious. It's not dear. It's not something that they completely buy into. For some people that have unbelief, they have other options. They have other ways of doing things and accomplishing things. And so he said unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. He is precious. I want you to know, Jesus is precious to me tonight. The word of God is precious to me tonight. Church is precious to me tonight. Prayer meetings are precious to me tonight. The word of God is precious to me tonight. Outreach, knocking doors, or is talking to people about the word of God is precious to me tonight. It is precious. It is precious. And people say, well, yeah, I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus is everything to me, honey. He's everything. But Time in and time out, you see people's approach or their casual or their nonchalant approach towards the things of God. And you find out people really don't hold God in, or they don't hold him at a higher stand. He's not precious to them. I want him to be precious to me tonight. I want, because, you know, people, there are other things that people hold dear to them. There are other things that people hold at a high esteem to them. And it's so sad that the things that they hold at such a high esteem are things that will never save them. It will never make their situations better. It'll never cause the storm that is raging in their hearts to cease. It'll never make anything better in their lives. It'll never deliver them from things that they've been struggling with for years. But they hold things that shouldn't be held at such a high esteem, and Jesus is at the 
bottom of the totem pole. I want to put him where he belongs in my life. I want to magnify him. I want to glorify him. I want, to, I want him to be precious to me. Let's go to verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 9. But ye, okay, he's talking to the church. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm a chosen generation. Too many times we look at ourselves, and, we, and, and a lot of times it's, it's with young people, as they're trying to find a place. They're trying to find where do they fit in, um, who they are, okay? And a lot of times, because we've allowed our culture to tell us how we're supposed to be. We've allowed our culture to tell us what we're supposed to look like, how we're supposed to dress, um, what we're supposed to, what our mind frame is supposed to be like, what are we supposed to listen to, what, are we, what we're supposed to look at. Uh, we've allowed our culture to tell us what we are. And if we don't do those things, then we're weird, we're strange. If we're not involved with what the culture's involved with, we're weirdos. What's wrong with you? Why don't you do that? Are you in a cult or something? And a lot of times when people hear this, it can make them feel like they um, don't have any, there's no significance in what they're doing. That they're really not important. That they really don't mean much. That they're really not of any value. But I'll tell you that you should not try to find, you should not try to find your identity in this world. But my identity it's found in the word of God. It's found in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing about it. What Jesus says about me is the only thing that matters. What people think about me, what people on the school at the school thinks about me, what my unlost relatives thinks about, my lost relatives thinks about me, what the coworkers on the on the job thinks about me, it don't matter. It shouldn't affect me. It shouldn't rub me the wrong way. It shouldn't get me down in the dumps and cause me to question whether I should be living for God or whether I should be doing what everybody else is doing. I've already come to, I've already found the answer to that. I shouldn't be involved with what the world is doing because I know who I am tonight. I know how important I am tonight. Jesus said, I am a chosen generation. He said, I am a royal priesthood. He said, I'm a peculiar people. When people say that you're different, I tell them you are absolutely right. That means that I'm not ordinary. That means that I'm not common. Matter of fact, I am uncommon because Jesus said that I am a peculiar people. I am a precious treasure in his sight. I'm not doing what the whoremongers are doing. I'm not doing what the fornicators are doing. I'm not doing what the hoochie mamas and the thugs on the street corner are doing. I am different. God has changed me. God has rearranged me. He has set me free. 
and I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. I am glad about it tonight. Let us remain standing in the house of the Lord. And so, who cares what the world says? They've always rejected the things of God. They've always been disobedient when it comes down to the things of God. Jesus has never been precious to them, but he's precious to me tonight. If you need a title tonight, precious is the word. Precious, because Jesus is precious to me tonight. I hold him at high esteem tonight. I'm thankful tonight of what he's done in my life. I rejoice about it. I shout about it. I sing about it because he's done great things. And so I will not fall into the category of the hypocrite. I'm not going to fall into the category of the evildoer. I'm not going to fall into the category of them that rejected what Jesus tried to bring into their life. I want to be one of the ones that believes because he's precious tonight. His word is precious tonight. Anything that has to do with Jesus is precious what this world is a part of and about, it's not precious. It's garbage. It's pollution. It's perversion. But Jesus is precious. Church is precious. The word of God is precious. Dwelling with brothers and sisters of like precious faith is precious. Not dwelling with the world, not dwelling with co-workers, not dwelling with unsaved family members. I don't hold that at high esteem. That's nothing I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of the church tonight. I want to be a part of people that have been called out tonight. Let's lift up our hands and call upon the name of the Lord tonight. Come on, somebody. Is he precious to you tonight? Is he dear to you tonight? Do you hold him at a high esteem tonight? Let him know it. Let him know it tonight. Let him know what he means to you tonight. Somebody lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. This altar is open tonight. Come down with your heart lifted with your hands tonight in the house of the Lord. We love you, Jesus.